Hi everyone and welcome to Drumroll, the first anniversary Straight Talking English Spectacular. So I may as well reveal the secret now. For the rest of this month there is going to be bonus content popping up at random points featuring interviews from published poets, international academics, people who've spent their whole lives on the business of poetry and creative writing and I'm going to be sharing them with you. Oh, first up I want to say a massive massive props to an organisation that have helped me put all this together. It is the Poetry Society. They are fab by the way. The Poetry Society has been placing poets in schools for 50 years now. If you're someone in a position to get a poet to come to a school or youth group anything really get in touch at education admin at poetrysociety.org.uk if you go to poetrysociety.org.uk slash education there are free lesson plans poetry competitions loads and loads more resources i really really recommend it so massive massive thanks to poetry society for putting this together with me thank you so much guys right 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 admin str8 talk english on twitter straight youtube slash straight talking english amazon full contact series right that's done let me talk to you about the first person i got to meet in the making of my spectacular her name is laura mucca she is a published poet and she's a total legend but i'll let her introduce herself my name is Laura Muka and I am a poet and an author. I'm not sure I was motivated to become a poet. Uh, I was a lawyer and I um, was hit by a car when I was 29 and it left me bedbound. And after six months of being bedbound, I started writing poetry to try and keep me sane. And my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, sent me on a poetry course for my birthday and I went on the poetry course. I should add, by the way, that this whole car accident caused problems in my nervous system that meant I wasn't sleeping. So I was writing the poems at five in the morning because no one else is awake. So what do you do? And I didn't really deliberately sit down to write poems. They just sort of came out. Anyway, after six months, he sent me on this course and I was really lucky because the course he sent me on was um, a day-long workshop with someone called Katie Evans Bush and she and the other people sat around that table were just really forgiving of the fact that I got grumpy about poems that I didn't like and, uh, <laughs> and were very tentative in saying um, we really like your poems and we hope you're not going to be offended but have you thought about writing poems for children and I didn't think it was an insult I think writing for children is really difficult um, so I thought it was a compliment so I, f I kind of fell into writing for poetry right so you might have guessed by now that the reason I was meeting up with all these cool people aside from making you some brilliant content hint hint blowing my own trumpet was I had a lot of questions that I wanted to ask people in the industry and they're questions that have come up a lot in my life as a teacher and also things that young people have asked me according to spotify my demographics are mostly 16 to 17 year olds hi don't drink it's bad for you you're not ready for it yet and 45 to 50 year olds who i'm assuming are the teaching end of the spectrum if not 
why even though i've got someone down who says they are 150 and i've mentioned this before and i still want to meet you i'm assuming my my listeners are like people interested in school because they work at one or they are an adult and people interested in school because they're at it so this is why i want to ask some of the deep probing questions some of the questions that annoy me like what do you do when a kid just says don't get it when you're trying to teach a poem or how how are you supposed to give a student an unseen poem and then they just sort of do it like what do you do if like you get an unseen poem in front of you and you're like what so this is the sort of things that i'm going to be asking laura and honestly helpful as so what's it all about then why should young people even be learning about poetry at school what's the point of giving young people poetry to look at why is that so important so i will come on to the why young people should but in my own personal experience when I was having this really terrible time and I was stuck in bed and feeling quite miserable, I came across a poem by Susan Coolidge, although that's her pen name, and I read it every single day for two years. And I think that, and that's why I got it, can I read it to you? <laughs> um, and the, the reason that I read it was because it gave me hope. And it was like this person was saying to me, you can, you've got this, do you know what I mean? And I think that's what poetry can do. I'm going to read the poem and then I'll talk a bit more about that. Um, this is an excerpt, it's not the full poem. Every day is a fresh beginning. Listen, my soul, to the glad refrain. And spite of old sorrow and older sinning, puzzles forecasted and possible pain, take heart with the day and begin again. And I think what is really important for me about poetry is that they can... Poems can articulate things that are really important about life, about what it is to be human, about things that aren't philosophical or meaningful at all, but are just hilarious or observational or whatever, but they're, they're really um, powerful because of their size and because of the work that goes into the crafting of them. I mean, some poets say that they come out quickly, but most poems, I would say, are, are heavily crafted. And it's the kind of small, hard-workingness of them. I'm using my hands, so <laughs> the listeners can't see. Um, um, makes them more potent and, and more important, I think. You know, you can read a book and think that was really brilliant, but you can't then... I can't say to you, I read this entire book and it was really important. I can't read the whole book to you on this podcast, but I can read you that, and you still understand how important that is, you know. Um, so I think there's something about um, the size and the craft of poems and the fact that they don't necessarily tell stories in the way that books do, but they can articulate important philosophies or emotions, you know, and that they can make you feel like you're less alone or um, less silly or less different. And so that's, that's, how, that's how I view them for everyone, and I think all of that applies to young people, but probably especially because when you're young, if you're in your teens, say, you've got, like, a lot of stuff to deal with, you know? <laughs> you've got a lot of hormones going around for a start, and you're trying to figure out, you know, oh, you've got to do exams you don't necessarily like doing, you know, it, you don't have the autonomy that you might want to have. There's a lot going on, and I think that poems can be 
um, like a really trusted friend or confidant in, in a world that is not always that brilliant sometimes. But if we all know that poetry is important for young people, and myself and Laura are in agreement over this, what do you do when you're teaching and the young person just goes, don't get it or don't like poetry? Or if in fact you're the young person who sits there and goes, don't get it, don't like it, what, what do you do? What's the solution to that one? Well, I think it's okay to not get a poem. Um, I, in studying poetry and now, did not get poems. Not all of them, but some of them. And I think that's why it was really important for me to have some of the tutors that I did have who were very patient with me so that I could, and you would literally see me cross my arms and hunch my shoulders and say, honestly, like, <laughs> probably like a five-year-old, I don't like this poem. <laughs> and I think that's that's a valid response. But if... So if someone said that to me about poetry in general, I would say, okay, well then I don't think you're reading the right poems. And also, can you give me an example of one you don't like and let's talk about why you don't like it? Because not liking it is a valid response. Let's figure out what it is that they did that you don't like, you know? Because you can, that's, that's, you can pick poems apart in a positive way and a negative way and, and they're both valid processes. Um, if someone said they didn't like a particular poem, then I'd sit down with them and try and figure out what the poet was trying to do, whether they succeeded, whether I liked it, whether they liked it. You know, just look at it for what it is. And sometimes I've spent time looking at a poem and, you know, on the fourth read, I've realised, actually, it's, it's quite good. Oh, it's quite clever. I don't like it, but I, I appreciate it's clever. And sometimes I still just don't like them. And that's OK. <laughs> I mean, the next biggest fear, other than don't get it, what do I do, is how do I analyse a poem? How do I get an unseen in front of me and turn it into an actual criticism, an actual analysis? How do we go about doing that? I'm part of an online poetry critique group with poets from all over the world and we share each other's poetry and we critique it so I'm very very used to seeing unseen poems and sharing my thoughts <laughs> but often I'm sharing them to someone who might then rewrite it whereas obviously in a GCSE paper the poet's probably unlikely to rewrite it um, I, what I do often is I read it I think about what is that person trying to say and are they saying it and how are they saying it? So sometimes poems don't really say anything. And then sometimes poems say really important things that, you know, make, make me almost have a physical reaction. Like, oh, that's so true, you know? Um, so that's an important thing. Like, what, what are they actually trying to say? And then to look at the emotional reaction that it, it causes in you. Um, and then to look at the technique. So I'll often look... I'm, I'm really into meter and rhyme <laughs> and so I will um, think about whether they've used meter and rhyme correctly and if they've interrupted it why because sometimes if you interrupt it it's to create an effect it's because I've set up this meter so that we're going a dum-de-dum-de-dum a dum-de-dum-de-dum a dum-de-dum-de-dum I mean god knows what meter is dum-de-dum-de-dum dum 
why have I interrupted it at that point? It's because if I were telling you a story here, like now, and I was like, oh, I was walking down the street and everything was really nice and the birds were chirping and then suddenly there was an ambulance, you know, I would interrupt the rhythm of my speech. And so that's kind of sometimes what poetry does. It, it sets something up and then it interrupts it. So pay attention to when it's interrupted because hopefully if you're studying it for Jesus here, it's being presented to you, they will have interrupted it deliberately rather than accidentally because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, and then look at, you know, is, is there rhyme going on? What does the rhyme do? I once wrote a poem um, about sadness that a publisher asked me to turn into a picture book. Then when I turned it into a picture book, they said, we don't think that this meter and rhyme suits the topic of sadness because it's too upbeat. So, you know, I do think that the way you're using the language has to match what you're trying to say. And how is it that people are doing that? Like sometimes I think for a very, very long time, <laughs> hours, days, I mean, some poems, years, um, where my line breaks are and where I put the po where I put the words and the lines on the page. So have I have I ended at the right point in the line? If, if I ended it, if I made the line longer, what would that have done? What does cutting that line there do, you know? And why is all the text in one block rather than like scattered over the page? So I did a workshop recently with Key Stage 2, um, a key group of Key Stage 2, and we were writing a poem together and they came off with this last line that was off we went. And I said, okay, we've got several options. We could write off we went, just on the line. Or we could have off we went, almost leaving the page as if the, the words were leaving the page, like we are leaving the poem. What do you think is better? And then we had a vote and everyone preferred the use of the page. And so I think that the white space is just as important. Like poetry is, it can be like a, a visual art, you know. Um, so just, I would kind of pick it apart and don't be scared right your thoughts are valid I think that's really important because it's easy to have this you know poem that's been around for god knows how long and it's also polished and shiny but you can still pick it apart you're allowed to say well they they use these two words here but actually you know I don't really like that because of this that or you know or they've used a cliche I mean you'd hope you wouldn't get that but you know they've they've used a cliche which is something you hear all the time that's lazy and doesn't work hard or um, I love the way that, that these sounds or the rhythm makes it feel like a train and the poem is like a train or whatever, whatever it is. But I think in order to make those comments, it's you have to practice it a bit. You can't just go cold into an exam and do that. You have to have practiced a little bit. So when I started, I, I wouldn't know what, what to say, whereas now I've almost got too much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all well and good, but how do you get a young person into poetry in the first place? If you're a young person, how do you get into the idea of absorbing, of enjoying a poem? How about that? My approach to getting um, people of all ages is pretty similar, to be fair. So I actually have done, in the last couple of months, Key Stage 1, Key Stage 2, Key Stage 3, workshops wait is year nine key stage three yeah, it might be. yeah so yeah so I did year nine um and and some of them were 30 people and some of them were 60 people in the class and so what I what I did for all of them was just get them doing very physical activities and then try and turn that into a poem so for the key stage one I got them to run around outside in the garden 
and I gave them instructions. So instruction one was um, touch things. Write down what they feel like. Is it rough? Is it smooth? Is it spiky? Write down all the words you can think of. There is no right or wrong. I just want you to collect words. And we carried on with that. And then we collected the words and then together we shaped it into a poem. And then with the uh, key stage three, the year nines, um, I got them to respond to artwork that I put up on PowerPoint presentation, music that I played to them, and then I got them to do role play with me. And then at each point, I got them to write words down. And then we collected in all, in all the different styles. I wrote down all the different words, and then I sat down with them. I was like, okay, I want you to tell me what your emotional response is to this word. Like, do you get, on a scale of one to 10, you know, what do you think of the word positive? And everyone gave emotional response to the word positive of like two out of 10. But if they changed it to like overjoyed, their emotional reaction went up to like seven or eight. And so it, I was just trying to get them to think about different words and how different words work hard or what the impact of the words is. Um, and then one of them in the, in the year nine suggested, so I was like, I, in the lots of the exercises, we, we found a repeat phrase, then we built this whole poem around the repeat phrase and in the end the repeat phrase didn't even make it in the repeat phrase was don't leave me and so we came up with all these lines and we kind of arrayed, we were having votes and there's quite a degree of objectivity so I'm like do you think this should be the last line uh, or the first line and er, like 90% thought it should be the last line for example so you know there's a quite, you know you get quite a big consensus and um, as we were going around someone said oh we've got a phrase fight fire with fire and I said okay now that is what we would call a cliche and it's a cliche because we've heard it a lot of times before what else could you fight fire with and someone said water and another person said acid and I said what is your emotional response to fight fire with fire two out of ten what is your emotional response to fight fire with water eight out of ten what is your response to fight fire with acid eight or nine out of ten and so I think like you know looking at it in that way rather than just being presented with this package I, I personally like coming at it from the other way so don't just look at a perfectly formed poem write your own and in the process of writing your own you have to make decisions that the poets that you're studying will have had to have made do you know what I mean and then you're agonizing over whether this should be a, a you know a four-line poem a quatrain or whether actually it should be a shape poem so you have no idea how many lines are in it really but secretly it's actually you know in really tight meter on rhyme um or uh the title's not working hard enough what could the title be and then you spend ages trying to think of the right title and then you finally get it you know that kind of stuff then feeds into understanding how other people have come to it and I think if you don't ever try it from the writing side of things um, it can be harder to then respond to other people's writing because you have no idea of what the process that they may have gone through is. So yeah this is a subject that's really close to my heart because I'm sure I've mentioned this before my best friend is a children's librarian and the amount of times that I've heard people talk about the crisis in children's literacy and the little kids are leaving primary school and they can't read and stuff like that. So I'm hearing it from both sides, from the media side, from a teacher's side and from my bestie when she's venting to me 
And to be honest, part of my solution to everything is give my best mate more money. She's an amazing librarian. <laughs> so I had to ask Laura this question. Why is reading important for young people? And how can we get young people reading? God, you know, it's so hard for me to articulate a response to this question because I just think reading is so indescribably invaluable. Like, let's imagine someone, a child, who has very unhappy, abusive parents. And they don't tell anyone about it, as most children who are being abused, 24% according to an NSPCC study. It's very, very common. So they don't tell anyone about it. And they just carry on. But they're, they're living with a horrific reality at home and feeling very isolated and so much about themselves is in question. Like, why is this happening? What have I done to deserve this? Am I worthy of love? In that situation, you know, obviously a phenomenal teacher, a phenomenal support, you know, a, a best friend opposite with a brilliant family, whatever. You know, there are other things that can help, but there are books. Like, books are and words and reading and poems they're all ways as I you know when I did the when I read the Susan Coolidge poem that was essentially me having a really terrible profoundly terrible time and someone from a very distant land <laughs> saying you've got this you are going to do this you can get this it's okay what you're going through is not weird or strange you are not weird or strange this is going to be okay. And I think books are so, so important for that. And Neil Gaiman says that with his book Coraline, is it Coraline or Coraline? I don't know. Um, that he used to get letters from people saying, you know what, I was having a very, very dark time and I used to think, well, if Coraline can fight monsters or whatever she was fighting, then I can get through what I'm getting through, you know? And, I, and I, so I think there's that element of it, which is this kind of knowledge that you are not alone, that you are understood, that we are all humans and we will all suffer, but we will, but we are all kind of connected and together. And I think that's really important. But then there's also, you know, a general kind of access to different worlds and different people and different ways of thinking and different characters. And, you know, you may never travel, you may never leave your, you know, one mile radius but you can travel the world through books you know and I think so I think books are really important for thinking you know so the first one is for empathy and feeling like you're understood and comforted and the second point is to challenge thinking and um, I guess the third point is being able to read will just make your life a hell of a lot easier and if you don't encourage that early on it becomes harder and harder to catch up because if you are a good reader from early on then you can become confident and it, it's just easier and there's less of a deficit and then you don't have all that time of repeated feeling like you're not good at something to have to negate um what would i say to so yes i think reading is in, in insanely important like i've given up my job in law to dedicate my life to <laughs> literacy essentially so <laughs> I have to think it's important but you know I might be indoctrinated and biased <laughs> um, I think um, what would I say to children who said uh, books are boring well you know what some are and that's okay find the books that aren't and R.L. Stein who's an American author says something interesting I think that was like 
he, he, before he became a writer, he studied what vocabulary was appropriate for each age. So in his books, he does not include one single word that is beyond the vocabulary level of that particular age. And people have said, why are you writing horror and why aren't you having more expansive vocabulary? And he says, I've got children reading. And it's a good point, right? Like, I, I think, you know, there are, you know, various authors get critiqued because of whatever is said about their the literary quality of their books but if someone writes a book that gets a boy I mean I say a boy because boys tend to have poorer literacy than girls um that gets someone who doesn't like reading to start reading then that is a massive achievement later on we can get them reading Nietzsche (laughs) or whatever you want maybe not Nietzsche (laughs) you know but for the moment just get them reading, get them not scared of words. And I think also it comes for me very, very, very much down to uh, an equality and a, qu- a point about inc- equality, inclusivity and the accessibility of big ideas and education and opportunity. And if you can't read comfortably and if you're not encouraged to read and if you don't have the support to read comfortably, then you're at a disadvantage. And there's loads of evidence, sorry, there's loads of evidence on this, loads of pleasure for reading evidence that the National Literacy Trust has conducted that shows that, you know, if you don't do pleasure for reading, reading for pleasure, then you're disadvantaged in all sorts of ways. And it makes perfect sense. And it's not, it, it's not just about the words. There's a lot of things going into it, but I think it's invaluable. And it's, I find it genuinely, like, quite painful um, when I stop to think about it. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> I think poetry and books are for everyone, for absolutely everyone. And I think they're really important in helping us all think and connect with each other and find solace in difficult times and laughing and celebrating. (laughs) Um, I think they're really important and I just think it's really important that people know that they're available to them, even if they feel like they're not, you know? If they seem scary or they seem difficult or they feel boring or if their teacher finds it intimidating or they are a teacher and their teacher found it intimidating, it's okay. It's okay to be intimidated. I still am intimidated by poems. I spent most of the time studying poems feeling intimidated by them. Um, But that's okay. not gonna lie i really really found that a helpful chat when i was meeting up with laura so i wish i could be doing this live but sadly scheduling so we went for our afternoon to uh, the barbican center and i came away from that chat with honestly a really good vision of what i wanted to communicate to people about books and poetry and i really hope you have as well I want to tell you a little bit more about Laura because she is awesome. If you go to lauramucha.com, you can see everything she's written and there is a whole range of poems for free, for unseen, for getting yourself into poetry, for getting a young person, a student into poetry. She's written the fabulous books Love Factually and Love Understood. She has won so many prizes for awesomeness well the york mix poems for competition 
York Mix Poems for Children competition, not poems for competition. That was literal nonsense. So Laura, M-U-C-H-A dot com for awesome poetry, awesome books. Really, really check her out. Thanks again to the Poetry Society for helping me meet up with Laura. They have been placing poets in schools for 50 years. PoetrySociety.org slash education for loads of awesome free stuff for you to access. This month I'm going to be running my bonus content alongside my normal episodes. So it's likely next time you'll hear from me I'll be telling you some kind of distressing story of the past that probably involves sex workers or war because they all seem to but for now i shall bid you adieu many thanks to laura and the poetry society straighttalkingenglish.com str8talkenglish on twitter youtube slash straight talking english we are on spotify soundcloud itunes stitcher we're on everything i haven't got us on google music yet that's on my to-do list amazon.com look up the full context series of books i am 10k into the next one and it might even might even be some good who knows thank you very much and i will speak to you soon